Hello and welcome to Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle for this week. And what a round we saw in round 11 of the NBL. Plenty for us to get through here on the show. We had that dunk from Jalen Adams, an incredible finish for the Sydney Kings. Another thrilling finish in Cairns to close the round on Monday night with the Breakers just holding on to get the job done. We saw Melbourne United return to the winning list. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix did the same. We saw the Brisbane Bullets not only snatch a win from Adelaide, but then blow their own win as well. We've seen the Sydney Kings sign an NBA champion. That's probably just the tip of the iceberg. We've got a new co-host. Cody Ellis has gone down sick for this week, unfortunately. I know that means we've had a lot of change here recently, but I'm sure you'll be happy with our replacement. He's a familiar voice, familiar name. He's part of our Hoop 7's basketball hustle family. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host. But the men that you have all tuned into here from now, the three-time NBL champion, the best power forward of his generation, the host of the Tap Touch preview each and every week, but he's now here on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle. Matty Knight, thanks for joining me. How do we find you this week in the Perth heat? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a hot couple of days, and um, you know, the kids, uh, full day at school, come home, they're shattered, so there's a lot of fighting between the four of them. <laughs> so trying to separate them in the afternoon is a full-time job. That's probably why you're happy to do this. It gets you away from them for a, for a few minutes. Well, the two the two young ones are already asleep. Um, Ivy has her school day on Tuesday, so she was shattered. So she's been in bed for about fifteen minutes. And older two are just on their iPads right now for some relaxing time before they go to bed. No, good to hear. Good to hear. Um, now we have a lot to get through, Maddie, because there was a lot happening across Round Eleven in the NBL. Um, I think we've got to start with the finish to that Sydney Sydney Kings game against the Brisbane Bullets. Um, the Kings stole one. Um, that dunk from Jalen Adams. Um, what did you make of that? And did you see it coming? Because it kind of came from nowhere. And you could, it's fair to say it's a it's a loss that the the Bullets certainly had a big hand in inflicting on themselves. Yeah, no, um, that's probably that's real neck and neck with, uh, between that dunk and Mitch Creeks the yeah. start of the season. But um, I don't think too many people seen that coming, especially at the end of a game. Um, yeah. They're tied up with and come down the middle and just dunk it like that. It's uh, very impressive, but I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, got dunk of the year. But um, you want to watch out for Sydney right now. Um, obviously, they've brought in, brought in another import who's uh, won an NBA championship and plenty of experience. So I think they're only going to get better and better, and maybe a win like that will kickstart their season. The scenes afterwards were, were absolute chaos. That sort of celebration, I mean, you've been part of some finishes like that, and... You, I mean, I've talked about this before on one of our Tap Touch preview shows. That three that you hit to win the game against Townsville, the scenes were were similar after you, after you hit that hit that shot. So you're you're the perfect man to ask about it. What what's what can it do for a group to have a win like that and then to be part of that sort of celebrations? That must be a lot of fun to be part of. Oh, definitely. You could just see the the bench's reaction. I, I don't think they were expecting that that result that uh, drive down the middle dunk like that. Mm. But um. Something so something like that can definitely uh, get a playing group together and really start something special. And um, I'm sure the Kings are they're going to take away a lot from that game. And um, not just because of the dunk, but the win. And you got a new import coming in, so there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Sydney fan. Absolutely. On the other side of it, how deflating can it be if you're on the other end of that? If you're on the Brisbane side of that loss and you've blown a game, I mean, they threw the ball away. They were up by. Up by two, I think it was a, I think it was about thirteen seconds to go. They had the ball, they threw it away on the inbounds pass. Then they, 
they gave gave up possession, um, gave up the dunk, and then gave up an offensive rebound, um, and then and then the bucket that won the game. How deflating, and how do you get over it if you're if you're the bullets? Yeah, it's a tough one. Obviously, you up to thirty seconds to go. You think you get the ball in and you'll be okay, but um, sometimes that's the hardest pass to make. Yep. Is that uh, trying to get that inbound pass in because um, you know you need to get in safely. So all the pressure's on the offensive team. Um, Defence can change it up or whatnot, but uh, you know that's a tough loss for Brisbane as well. They're, they've been very up and down, Brisbane. It's been a trend for a couple of years now. Yeah, they can't seem to string some wins together. Um, you think one week they've turned it around, and then the next they're, they're back to uh, playing Brisbane basketball. But um, a loss like that, that can hurt. You'd be hoping you could play another game really soon so you could move on, forget about it. But um, you know, that one's going to hurt. Um, that's a win they should have had. And for Brisbane, that could have uh, really helped their season. But now you drop that, it's, mm. it can be quite depressing. Yeah, I mean, the, the difference from going six and seven to five and eight and, and being, you know, two or three games out of the four is pretty massive. Um, what, what about what happened on the missed free throw? Who's to blame for that? I mean, they, they clearly were set up for Jalen Adams to make the free throw and then they, were, they had set up for someone to grab the, re, grab the, the ball out of the hoop and then to pass it full court because they didn't have a timeout, so they're going to try to get up a, get up a shot on the buzzer. Um, so they were clearly set up for that. They weren't expecting him to miss the free throw, but you have to be, you have to have a plan B and be ready for that, don't you? Who's to blame for that? Is it the coach? Is, is it the players for not grabbing the defensive rebound? Or what do you I think? think? It's a bit of both, I think. Um, I don't know why you'd be setting up. It's almost like you're conceding defeat that you're setting up yeah. that he's going to make it. Yep. Like you've got to play every possession, and yeah, sometimes to win the game, guys can tighten up on the free throw line. So. He's expecting to set up that he's going to miss, and then from there, you just play from that. Um, you can't jump ahead of possession and think he's going to make it and you've prepared. Um, the players out there, you've got to get that ball. Um, there's no excuse for not getting that rebound. Yeah, it's it's there to be won, and you're not there doing it. You didn't do your job, and it's contributed to that loss. But I, I think coach and players need to take responsibility for that. That wasn't the only thrilling finish we had to the to the weekend either Maddie and if we go back a, go back a few days the bullets were involved in a big comeback against the 36ers so they were they were feeling pretty good at that stage they were with 7 minutes to go in that game against Adelaide on on Brisbane's home floor they were down by 10 points but then Lamar Patterson took the game over they had all the momentum and to be honest Adelaide crumbled in the in the last 7 minutes at the same time but that was a big comeback so coming into that game on Sunday in Sydney the, the bullets were feeling feeling pretty good yeah, uh, definitely. To have a comeback win like that, it's almost like the opposite type of scenario in games. They'll down and come back and win, and then they're up and then they lose. Um, that's where good team. That's what separates the great teams from the good teams. A, a great team would use that momentum, come in, and take care of business um, against against the Kings. You use that momentum, but unfortunately, uh, they gave that game away. So the the momentum they got from that comeback win just uh, got negated against the Kings. Uh, they went one on one, and like you said, yeah. six and seven sounds so much better than five and eight. Absolutely, considering how close the uh, the top four is right now. Yeah, well, I mean, the Hawks are fourth at seven and six. So if you're six and seven, you're knocking on the door. But suddenly, at five and eight, you're you're a bit further back, and it's tough to string wins together in this in this league. So it's going to be tough for them to make up that gap. Um, 
Saturday night in Melbourne. This was a big game for a lot of reasons for both Melbourne United and the Perth Wildcats. I'll ask you about Jesse Wagstaff and his 400th game in a moment. But, gee, the Wildcats started this game on fire. They were up by 15 points, and it looked like they were going to, to cruise, cruise to victory. But the last three quarters, Melbourne put their foot down. 37 points they put up in the in the second quarter alone. They dominated after after quarter time. Joe Lawala-Chul was huge. Chris Golding, obviously, all of his 16 points came in the second quarter. Um Talk about a game of contrast. What did you What did you make of that? Yeah, no, I think Perth have been the opposite. They are started. Um, they've been slow starters the last few games, and then come back. But um, yeah, no, I think they came out of the point to prove against Melbourne on their home court and threw the first punch. But I think that was the only punch they threw. <laughs> After that, Melbourne came back. Um, they're fighting and. Like you said, the big man from Melbourne, he didn't have any competition. He, he got to do whatever he wanted to do. And I think that's going to be Perth's Achilles heel this year. Um, obviously, you got Matt Hodgson and Majuk, but um, yeah, I don't think they've got athleticism or speed to go as a big guy from Melbourne. Um, I know you can probably point to Hodgson not being there, but I'm not sure that he has much of an impact on stopping Luala Chul, even if he plays, does he? No, he hasn't. He hasn't shown that form all year. Um, and Joe's in. He's in. Oh, he has to put him in top five MVP and uh, an outsider. But he's had a, a very consistent year, and some numbers he's put up have been huge this year too. So he had a twenty-six and twenty-one rebound game yeah. not long ago. Winning this one, twenty-two points, thirteen rebounds, four blocks, two assists. That's that's a that's a fair night at the office. Yeah, and it shows you he's boarding on the defensive end too, four blocks. That's allowing the guards to get up into players and knowing they've got that help back there. But um, it was great to see Delavadova turn back time in the fourth quarter as well. Um, he, he really stepped up and helped Melbourne get that win. Um, yeah, Melbourne, they're coming along nicely. They've got the depth and obviously Jack White's coming back. They're going to get him back full, full strength soon as well. He's just starting to get the minutes in now. So they're a very dangerous team. And, um, yeah, those two teams will probably be in the top two or three coming into the season. Yeah, you would think so. Um, we talked on the show last week with, with Cody about Dean Vickerman, after their couple of losses they had before like, before this win, he kind of flagged or he at least wondered out loud if they did need to add an extra piece. But in reality, the loss that they had before that against the Jack Jumpers and even before that against Adelaide, they went at full strength. So they suddenly had Jack White, Ariel Huckporty back in the lineup. So they're at full strength. And and when they're at full strength, I don't know if they do need to add anything. We've talked about Luala Chul, and is a very nice backup for him. We saw at different points of the game, Golding had that huge second quarter. As you said, Delavidova had that massive fourth quarter. Caleb Agata can turn it on when he wants to, but he also, he's a really good defender and good rebounder as well. He had 13 rebounds in the game. You know, they've got the experience when they needed of Brad Newley and, and Dave Barlow. Shay Illy does he's a very, very nice backup point guard at both ends of the floor. Um, Cody didn't feel like they probably needed to add an extra piece. How do, what do you think? Do you think this group right now is probably good enough? I don't think they need to uh, mm. add anyone. As <laughs> you just mentioned all the names there, like, what position do you need to fill? Like, yeah, there's no obvious thing that they need to add anything in. Is there's there? no real weakness. It would be only if the big guy got injured, but sure. if he stays injury-free, well, then yeah, you're laughing. But they've got weapons all over the court. <laughs> like you said, a lot of teams are going to show Ely as a backup point guard. <laughs> he could probably start on some other teams. So, 
And like I said, yours, he's got the experience. Um, Chris, he can light up when when he gets going. No one can stop him. Delhi's got NBA experience, and um, he's just playing his role right now. And Jack White's going to get better and better each game. Dave Barlow's still very consistent. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know where Dean would want to add someone because you wouldn't want to bring anyone in and um, break up that balance. No, so, I agree. I think, yeah, you've lost a couple of games you probably didn't expect, but that's going to happen during the season. And to be honest, they probably want it to happen now and break up that winning streak before before finals because you don't want to go in without a loss because yeah, it adds more pressure and guys are feeling pretty good about themselves and whatnot. So... Yeah, that was probably disappointing losses, but you'd prefer to have them that now than later in the season or in the finals. As for the Wildcats, they're an interesting one. Um, Bryce Cotton had a good game, 31 points, but again, most of his damage was done either in that first quarter when they went up big or in the fourth when they were trying to make make a comeback. Vic Law didn't have a great night. Twelve, uh, He had, did have 10 rebounds, but only 12 points on 5 of 18 shooting. Todd Blanchfield's in a little bit of a slump. He only had seven points. Most of those, again, came when they were trying to, to come back. Um, Michael Frazier's, he's doing okay sort of defensively, rebounding-wise, but he's just not not scoring probably the way they hoped they would. Um, I know they've got, you know, the nine games at home to fall back on that they'll, they'll definitely be looking to take full advantage of once they get home somewhere around mid-March. But what do you think of how they're travelling right now? Yeah, no, obviously, um, they're probably happy where they are considering how long they've been on the road, but I think the team they have right now, I don't think they can compete with a, a Melbourne in a, a five-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, Todd, I think Todd was in the perfect system last year with Trev. Um, he, he knew what his role was and he played it to perfection. I think a lot of guys right now don't really have a role in that offense they're playing. It's an NBA-style offense, and it's proven they don't really work over here because um, yep. guys buy into the defensive end. And some, uh, I think, if Perth uh, to be a serious contender, they need they need an import centre to match the other teams. Yeah, um, they, they get the wins over Illawarra, but I think in a five game series, Illawarra would wear them down. And uh, Luke Luke Travers, uh, he's been up and down as well. He has a good game, and he, mm. then he goes missing. He played 12 minutes yeah. against Melbourne. Yeah, Perth are an interesting one. Obviously, yeah, you're going to finish with games at home, but a lot of teams aren't scared to come over here anymore. Um, it doesn't guarantee, doesn't guarantee anything, does it, just because you are home? No, and yeah, like in Melbourne, a lot of their guys have played here before, mm. so that, that doesn't worry them. South East to be different. Illawarra had the experience last year in the semi-finals. Yeah, so I don't think it's the fortress it once was, but Perth are very interesting right now. They, they can't put four quarters together, and to win a championship, you need to be able to do that. You can't rely on being down and Bryce turning it on every game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to wear him out. But Vic Law, he's, he had a good start, but he hasn't been anywhere near what he has been capable of. So I think... Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Obviously, coming home will help them. Mm. Obviously, living on. But yeah, I think in a five game series, they can't compete with the Melbourne. I agree. I mean, to me, Luala Chul in, the, in a five game series, it's pretty scary how much he could dominate. 
in in that in that battle. So it'll be interesting if they stick with Michael Fraser or if they do make that move. And I know there's a lot of talk around. It's a tough market right now, and it's tough to find an import. But have a look at the Sydney Kings. That's talk. We might as well talk about him right now. They were able to sign a NBA championship winner, Ian Clark, and they've got him in the country already, and he's right to go here. He didn't play on Sunday in that game against the Bullets, but he was there, suited up, and he'll be playing this weekend. So if they can do that, there's no reason the Wildcats can't get in a in a quality centre. Yeah, no, I, I totally disagree with that. It's a tight market. No, I'm sure there's a lot of players right now that coming to Australia than going to Europe or just playing in the G League. So, yeah, for Sydney to go out and get an import already in Australia, mm-hmm. <laughs> learn the system, uh, could have probably played some if he wanted, yeah. but... Yeah, so I don't buy that. Uh, it's a tough market. Um, yeah, you've got what ten people in the basketball department, and they can't work out an import. Like <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. So I think yeah, Sydney only gonna get better um, with Ian Clark in there now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about Jesse Wagstaff. He we had we had a quick chat to him on the show last week. He he was kind enough to to call in and and. Talk about what his 400th game meant to him. He probably didn't have the night that he hoped for, and obviously to lose wasn't what he was hoping for, but you were a teammate of his for your entire career in Perth. You won three championships together. Um, last time we did our Tap Touch preview, you made a very strong case of why, in your words, it was a joke that he wasn't in the 40th anniversary team. Um, how happy were you to see him reach a, a milestone like 400 games? Oh, that's unbelievable. For one club, one club player to play 400 games, it's just unheard of this day and age. And I said to him, you could probably get another 100 in, 100 in the way, the way that guy goes about it. But, um, yeah, no, he, he's a fantastic teammate. He just, he does all the things that, um, don't start, don't show up on the stat sheet, but he's there every single game and he's probably gotten better with age. <laughs> the last couple of years, he's actually put up some solid, solid numbers and it's great to see that he's still out there. It's great for Perth to keep that culture. He's been a part of it all right through his journey. So, you know, it's fantastic. See, obviously not the result that he, he would have wanted, but knowing Jesse, just another game for him probably, but, I could imagine he would have wanted his family over there to celebrate that occasion but um, with what's going on. But, no, I'm sure Steph and the kids were very proud. And, um, no, it's fantastic to see that 400 games, six championships, all at one club. It's just, like I said, unheard of. And I'm still, I still can't believe he did not make the, the 40th mm-hmm. anniversary team. But, yeah. Yep, I know. Um, the thing that I find most remarkable about him, and you're a good in a good position to judge, you saw... I guess over the course of your career, uh, in the different places you played, you would have seen seen what I guess having becoming a successful player and having you know that success go to your head a little bit and it changes people. With Jesse, I mean, he's very much the same laid back character that he was when he when he wasn't even a prof- professional basketball player. Oh, definitely nothing. Nothing changes Jesse. Um, you come in, you do his training <laughs> off court. Jesse's Jesse. He's never upset. I don't think I, seven years old, I don't think I've ever seen him upset. <laughs> Maybe a couple of times on court with him and Sean, but uh, <laughs> other than that, no. Like, Jesse's the most down to earth guy you could ever meet. Um, family guy, husband, yeah, just loves to have a good time with his uh, with the teammates. Mm-hmm. And he's, uh, 
mates. But um, yeah, like you said, some guys get all that success and it goes to their head. Completely opposite from Jesse. Mm. Yeah, as soon as he finishes on court, he's probably studying for his fifth Masters or whatever he's up to now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, yeah, no, he's one of the kind Jesse Wagstaff. Absolutely. Um, a couple more games I wanted to get your thoughts on. The Southeast Melbourne Phoenix still missing some players, but they got their coach back, Simon Mitchell. They got their captain back, Kyle Adnam, to, to get a win on Sunday over the over the Jack Jumpers. Scott Roth fired up a little bit post match when he was asked about playing without Will Magnay, who's going to miss it the next month with a with a knee injury, and he he felt like it was disrespectful to his other players that the question was asked. You know, struggling against you know Joe Chi and Brandon Ashley just with the size, but. To me, it's a physical reality. They're a very small team without Will Magne, and you know, as as much as Jock Perry tried, he's, he's hard out. He's he's probably not ready to play big NBL minutes. And then the rest of their bigs aren't aren't really bigs. If you look at Fabian Krislovich, Jared Bairstow, even Mikhail McIntosh, who has to play as a big Jack McVeigh, none of those you would say are genuine bigs against somebody like a, a Joe Chi or a Joe Luala Chul or. If you have a look at some of the quality bigs across the league, even Yanni Wetzel, um, to me it's just a physical reality. It's not no disrespect for no disrespect to the other guys. They're just not big enough. Do you think they're going to struggle without Will Magne? Oh, definitely. He, he's starting to play some good basketball for them, and uh, you can see both sides of the coin. Um, the coach wants to stick up for the players he's got, but sure. he probably doesn't want to admit as well that he's going to miss. Uh, <laughs> yeah, will miss Will so. Um, obviously, you want to instill that confidence, and as a player, you want to know your coach has got your back. Um, and he's just a passionate coach, I believe. So you watch him. So yeah, no, obviously, um, probably just trying to instill the confidence in the guys he's got. But inside, he probably knows that it's going to be tough without Will. Um, like I said, he's probably the only legit big they have mm. that could match up on all those other bigs around the league. So. It's going to be tough, and he was a huge part of the four-game win streak they had. So um, now you got to go back to the drawing board and try and work out how you're going to replace him. And like you said, those guys are—they're not bigs, and they'd struggle against majority of the other bigs in this league. Yeah, I agree. Um, last game, I want to get your thoughts on Maddie, and then we'll we'll get to our, our guests for this week. Um, Monday night up in Cairns. This was a fascinating game. The New Zealand Breakers playing their first game in two weeks. They came out and and blew their tight hands off the floor. They were up by twenty six points just before just before half time. Then the Taipans dominated the third quarter. They could have hit the front on the three quarter time buzzer when Zimmerman had a shot had a shot to that would have put them in front. And then the Breakers took back over again in in the fourth quarter. But then they stopped and didn't score for the last four minutes of the game. Ended up with Scott Machado winding down the clock, taking taking a shot on the on the buzzer and it just rimmed out and the break is one by one by a point. Um, fascinating game in so many ways. Yeah, no, you probably would have thought it would have started the other way, especially with uh, New Zealand having in two weeks since their last game in Cairns at home. But um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a, probably a must win for both teams if they wanted to stay in contention. Um, Cairns, they've been playing well. Forty's got them playing some pretty good basketball up there and obviously got Machado back, but I don't think 40 would have been happy being down 26 points mm-hmm. on the home floor, but a credit to him fighting back and having a chance to win. But um, I reckon New Zealand ran out of legs in the last four or five minutes, mm-hmm. put all their um, energy in that first half. But 
And I reckon um, while Forty would have been proud of coming back from twenty six down, he would have had it as a win for Cam. He would have wanted yeah. the boys to win. And he's called them out the last few weeks. Um, do they know how to win? And I guess that game shows them they really don't. Yeah, like, that's a great point. To, to get down by twenty six on your home court, that that's not acceptable. Like, it's great you fight back. You'd hope you'd fight back and show something, but um, they have a chance to win. But I think Forty would have uh, probably been expecting um, Cairns to get a, a win in that game. Yeah, and I think so. He should have. Um, so th- it was a big round 11, Matty. Okay, Matty, that's been a lot to digest. It's been fun chatting all of that with you. But let's give you a bit of a bit of a rest now. Um, let's head up to Cairns, and let's hear from, from Alex Loudon, a man that you had a lot of battles with, a lot of your... 236 games in the NBL were played. Taking him on, your one-on-one battles with him as power forwards was fascinating to watch. So that's set up to Cairns. That's here from from Big Lows about about how the Taipans are travelling, but also get his thoughts on the rest of the league. So when we come back, we'll be with the one and only Alex Loudon. Okay, back on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and this is always, always one of my favourite times when I get to catch up with this man. We no longer do our show together, but I'm glad he's still part of the show here. Unfortunately for him, he doesn't get to catch up with Damien Martin anymore. But Alex Loudon, how do I find you up in Cairns right now? Oh, good day, Pikey. Yeah, no, re- really good up here, mate. Um, obviously, a nail-biting off the, the type of last night for all the local uh, fans, but um, certainly a lot to love in the NBL, you know, especially the dunk by Adams uh, from the Kings. Oh, my good, Oh, my goodness. Uh, so excited to see things like that and just his reaction afterwards, just the epitome of that passion coming through and dominating, uh, you know, putting up pretty much the whole uh, team in a poster. But um, look, exciting, exciting round. A lot of double, uh, you know, double headers uh, all round, and um, certainly lots of love as this the games just keep going on, uh, in and out of protocols and things. Uh, good to see the league continuing on, and I think the quality is getting better. Teams are refining, momentum shifting, uh, all the all the little things that happen there throughout a season. Uh, great to see. Absolutely. Now, before I do talk a bit more basketball with you, Laos, last time you caught up with Damo and myself, you had. Put your wife, Michelle, in isolation. She wasn't allowed out because she had COVID. Is everything back to normal now? Yeah, look, um, look. she had it for the week, tested negative, and then it's just lingered around. I think for some people it's really hung around a bit longer. So it did actually hang around another couple of weeks afterwards. It's just, just not getting back to uh, full full strength, but but she's good now um, and, and all through it. So, uh, look, thanks for asking. But, yeah, she's feeling a lot better now. But is she allowed in the rest of the house yet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, no, I didn't tell her that yet. I just, you know, kept her under wraps <laughs> and then she's able to, you know, get to work from downstairs. Uh, but no, she's doing well now. No, good, good to hear. Now, now, I think you enjoyed your chance to catch up with Damo the first couple of times you joined us on the show this season. Obviously, a little peek behind the curtain. Obviously, Damo pushed Sean out of the hosting chair for this year and, and now Damo's moved on to... To better things. I'm pretty happy that I've landed Cody Ellis as the co-host now, but unfortunately for this week, Cody's gone down six. So, Maddie Knight, a very 
able replacement, but he's not able to join us right now either, Lau, so you're stuck with me. Mate, that's uh, all good. I'm, I'm enjoying your, your insights from uh, all the game report. The previews and, and the post-game analysis, uh, often if I can't catch a game, uh, it's good to just be able to read on those highlight points and then just see what's happening around the league. Also, with those articles, you mentioned things like those rising stars, and often mm. I can't quite catch those kind of games, but it's good to kind of go, oh, yeah, Osman Dang, uh, how's he going? Oh, yeah, Huck Porty, you know, all those guys. So just having a set of eyes uh, on all the games, uh, just actually been pretty handy, so uh, thank you for that. No, Laos, I'm... <laughs> To be honest, I'm very humbled when you when you credit my work, and the fact that you read my work is a is an honour for me. And I've got to say, Sean and Damo have never said anything like that about my work. They've never. I don't think they've ever read a single thing I've I've ever written. <laughs> well, they're missing out, man. Um, certainly keeping tabs on it all. Um, think, think you do a great job to keep up the good work. No, thanks, Laos. Now let's talk some Taipans. Um, interesting weekend. They they fought pretty hard in in Illawarra in the in the first game. But coming back home, um, what did you make of the game against the Breakers? Because they'd been challenged by, by Adam Ford. I don't think he would have at all liked what he saw in the first half. They were down by 26 at one point to the Breakers, who hadn't played in two weeks. They, they gave a response in the third quarter. Um, but then they found themselves still down. Down by 12 again with four minutes to go, but still had a, had a shot at the game. Had to finish, Scott Machado's shot didn't go. Um, what did you make of it? Well, I mean, you look at the, the Illawarra game for a start. Obviously, the momentum, uh, sorry, the dynamics have shifted with Machado and, and Jarek back mm. in the lineup now. What I think is starting to happen then is that, you know, a, a young player like Bull Quall will sort of go, oh, you know, my minutes are restricted again. Um, oh, how am I going to get my 26 points that I've been able to produce the last few games? You know, like when there's been no one coming in or subbing out and, and, you know, taking away the minute. So he's going to have a bit of a learning curve um, as a rookie to then, now the superstar comes back in, guess who's going to get take uh, the cake of the, the minutes when, when it's needed. Um, I, I need Bullqual to still be aggressive and have an aggressive mindset. Now, whatever the minutes are on the floor, whether it's 10, whether it's 20 or 27 when Machado's not around, for instance, like he needs to bring that mindset when he plays 30 minutes, that aggressiveness, to when he just plays 10 or 15 minutes and not waste sort of time second-guessing now thinking he's got to, you know, make make a whole pile of points. He's got to just be productive for the time that he's given. So I sort of sense there's a bit of uh, maybe hesitation or, or um, just sort of stepping aside a bit thinking, oh, how's this all going to work? So I felt like the dynamic uh, had sort of changed a little bit with Machado and Jerry coming back. Now, I don't obviously Machado's not full strength yet as well. So you look at that last play of the game, a couple of fumbles, uh, you know, not quite as sharp. I think it's going to take him a few games to get his feet under him. Um, so perhaps I, I know the ball fell in his hands kind of at that for that last play, but I think someone like McCall is, is someone who's a bit more um, in in at top speed, ready to deliver that dagger blow. I, I would give him the the reins for that final that final uh, uh, bucket um, chance. Um, you know, so I think Machado's going to have a few weeks to kind of get it all back under. But I certainly don't want those other guys who had stepped up very well in the absence of, uh, you know, the superstar, I need all those guys to uh, still be aggressive. And I think that's something that they're trying to find their identity a bit now. With the game against New Zealand, obviously, uh, started very slowly, very poorly, almost casual cat, and <laughs> they got punched in the face. So 
New Zealand very accustomed to playing on the road. The whole season's been on the road, right? Like they're 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 going into every stadium full of confidence as if it's a home game almost, you know, because they don't know anything different. So they've they've played extremely well without an Abercrombie. Um, you know, a, a very 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 tidy uh, performance that first half uh, to get the twenty six point lead at halftime, and then you better believe it that Coach Ford, mm. you know said these pleasantries to the halftime interview, but then marched into the, uh, into the halftime locker room and was like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? You go out there and lay an egg. Is that how we repay these home fans? Uh, after all we've been through, after everything that I've challenged you, this is how you reward me with that kind of effort. And then obviously up the ante in the second half with, with full court pressure. And, you know, this is a long Python team. They're athletic and long. When they press, like, they're getting, they're getting stops. They're, they're causing disruption. So, um, you know, that, that got them a lot of buckets to get back into the game. Uh, and then, you, as you mentioned, down 12 points with uh, still a couple of minutes to go and it's almost done. And then all of a sudden, Bull Cole does catch fire and get a couple of back-to-back threes. Um, and uh, and then New Zealand also find that their zone just just puts the Taipans on a bit of a, a back foot. They still got paint penetration, but they couldn't they couldn't capitalise on it. Uh, and and they'll be going back to you know the the drawing board with that just to just to you know tweak that a bit because you know, they were they were getting the pass into the paint with Deng at the free throw line. They couldn't finish that off. They they have to figure out a way because New Zealand just stuck with that that disruption playing the zone because it was working for them and they're just able to style him enough. I mean, Machado shot at the end a couple of fumbles and then still managed to get it off on, on Wetzel uh, on a mismatch um, but and a couple of tip-in sort of attempts and trying not to bother the ball in the cylinder, you know, but um, yeah, it was pretty exciting on a, on a knife's edge. Uh, I mean, great fight from the Taipans to bring it back. Uh, full credit to New Zealand for, you know, hanging in there and getting the W. Uh, but it was all in that start. I mean, you, you, you erase that poor start and then, you know, now it's the difference between a one-point loss and, and a 10-point sort of win if you even even halve that deficit from the first half. So, yeah, I think I think they'll be, the top end certainly be very disappointed um, coming over two two losses. Mm. The dynamic shift, as I mentioned, with those players coming back in, that's always going to be the case. Like, any time a Machado or a Cotton are out and they're going to come back in, they're going to, you know, get their minutes again and get their fair share of the ball. That's what you pay them for. So um, it's an adjustment curve for those those younger guys and, and hopefully, um, you know, they can get it sorted because they've got a few road trips now where they're going to have to, to a man, uh, get something done or, or find themselves uh, separating from the whole the whole league at the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to put you on the spot now, Lowes, and you know that you know that I like doing that, doing that to you. <laughs> so on the show this year, we've introduced what we've called the Galen Award. It's for the best team man in the NBL, named in honour of, of Galen Young. So it's not necessarily the best player for any round, but the guy who's who's had the biggest impact on his team winning the game. So I've got some nominations I'll throw at you. You can, if one of those jumps out, or if somebody else stood out to you over the weekend, let me know. But I'll I'll tell you who I would sort of put in contention. Yanni Wetzel, yeah. who you saw in action last night, he did everything for the, the New Zealand Breakers. Xavier Cooks, yeah, again, he, he continues to do everything for the Sydney Kings in their in their couple of wins. Ryan Brokoff, he's not shooting the ball that great still, but he's doing everything else really well for the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Mm. I've got two nominations from Melbourne United. One is Shea Yelly, yep. who Joe Lualichul put put under the spotlight after the game and wanted, wanted him to get more recognition. 
But I want, I want yeah. to also nominate Joe Luala Jewell himself because he's not just scoring really well right now. He's rebounding, blocking shots. He's doing everything as a big man. And the other one's an interesting one. I don't think the Hawks win that game against the Taipans if Xavier Radden Mays doesn't take over and be that steadying influence, especially in the fourth quarter. So those are the ones yeah. that I'd like to put forward. Did one of those jump out yeah. or did somebody else catch your fancy? There's a lot of names there that I really like. I'll start from the from Rather Maze. I wasn't impressed with him at, up until really that game mm. that he took over in the fourth because I thought, look, I, I thought it was one of the, the, the second sort of tier kind of uh, import. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you, you got your, your superstars there leading the way, um, Tyler Harvey, that kind of thing, uh, and he really stood up. Stepped it up a gear up here at Taipans last time yeah. when they played him a couple of weeks ago. Now down there, I thought Rathamaze was uh, incredible because he had some incre- uh, crazy finishes, and these are big plays. These are you know fourth quarter big time superstar mm-hmm. plays. So I, I, I've seen it in one game that I'm convinced of him, um, but I haven't seen it consistently. So I'm gonna. If you had to choose right now, I'm going to scratch him out for that one for right now. But he's certainly impressive fourth quarter performance. I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, Luella Chul, Joel Luella Chul and Yanni Wetzel are possibly my um, on, on my dream list for uh, for coming up to, to Cairns in terms of, a, you know, you need a big. Yeah. Um, obviously, Nathan Jowo is going to be an older guy now. And, um, you know, you, you need an Aussie local big that's going to kind of be the future, I guess, for, for the long haul. Now, my choice would be Joe Luella Chul, one, because he's a seven-footer. Need a five-man that's a seven-footer around. This this league got big real quick. Yeah. Uh, but he's really proving himself uh, at every turn, and I really, I really, I really rate Joe Luella Chul's game. Um, look, Yanni Wetzel's a do-it-all man as a, as a power forward. Uh, I know he's probably playing centre as well, but I think he's got all the skills of that that really hard to guard um, uh, power forward. So both those guys are pretty good. Now, Shay Ely, I think, if you're talking about the, the Galen Award, are you thinking that it's more of a guy that doesn't quite get the superstar status but is always there? I think Shay Ely is that guy that's going to have the team back mm-hmm. and do all the little things, all the dirty little things, the kind of the way Della Vadova would do that at the Cavs. Uh, for the you know during that championship run for them, um, just the hustle guys. I think Shay Ely is certainly uh, top of the list. I do like um, you know like I said those big, um, but I think they're in superstar sort of um, category. I think in terms of the Galen, what if I'm understanding what how he played and, and what you're talking about? Shay Ely um, is so far out of that list. I, I would have to agree with that. The other one that I'm going to throw in there now before I do, sorry, what were the other two names at the start? There's also Xavier Cooks and Ryan Brokoff, but they've... Cooks, I, I'm they've, loving they what have, Cooks is doing they have the moment. been recent I'm, winners, so I'm happy to move move on from those two for now. Well, Cooks is playing outstanding basketball at the moment. Um, very active, very... You know, I haven't seen... Like, he's been had that injury stuff the last few years, and it's kind of been in and out, in and out, and I'm sure he's been frustrated. But what we're seeing now from Cooks is very high-level uh, basketball, and I'm enjoying seeing him uh, to his full potential. So he, he's rapidly sort of rising on, on that um, list. But, you know, he's been consistent. He's athletic. He's in shape. He's doing all the things. So uh, I'd, I'd say at this stage, you know, Illy and uh, Cooks. I'd always put Cooks ahead of Illy uh, for that kind of thing. Someone else I'm going to add to the list is Pinder for Taipans. I think, I, think, I think he is... I didn't rate him last year mm. in terms of, you know, the way 
know, everything that he did, obviously, he did it the performances is how you rate, rate these guys. But he's lifted so much coming here and he's actually protected the rim great and he's chasing down uh, those those uh, breakaway layups and, and punching it into the backboard, you know, like really protecting the rim and, and not giving up on plays and he's finishing. I think he's actually putting together a very solid season uh, and it's not always points on the board. So I think it's something to do with just his hustle and his motor. Yeah. I think that's, that's the part that, that gets me and I think that's the part that every team needs. He's not going to have all the bells and whistles of a, a shiny, polished, one-on-one move kind of guy and a, you know, a McCall kind of superstardom uh, thing, but he has an effect on the game. And I think that's what Coach Ford is really looking for. So I really rate what, what Pinder is doing in that sort of, uh, in that category of what you're saying with the Galen Nunn Award. So I look, totally I think, agree, um, yeah. But, and he matches everything that the, the Galen Award is meant to be, except his mm. team didn't win this, this week. That's the only thing he missed. Yeah, I know, right? And, uh, you know, if you're going for, for wins, um, you know, then, I mean, Melbourne got a big, big mm-hmm. win over Perth. So, yeah, if you're happy to, to give it to, to Shay and, and, or Shay or Joe Lowell Jewell, of course. I think we'll go for um, Shay that, because that'll make Joe happy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, the centre gets the, the final word on who's, who's bringing the defence, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know, you know, the Jamie Martins of the world, I think they're the ones that are probably more equipped with it, the eye for defensive detail. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think Shaley is certainly well-deserved and Melbourne United a big out uh, over the Wildcats. Not good choice. So he's the winner of the Galen Award for this week. Thanks for your help with that, Blouse. One more thing I wanted to get your thoughts on before I, I let you go. Um, we've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about the Perth Wildcats announcing their 40th anniversary team. Fair to say yeah. on this show, Cody Ellis and Matty Knight had mixed feelings about the team that was that was announced yeah. now. Yeah. You're a former player. You grew up in Perth. You spent a lot of time watching the Wildcats and watching a lot of those guys that made the team play when you were younger and then you were teammates of some of them. Did anything yeah. surprise you about the team? What did you think of the final 10 that they selected? Well, I, I would find myself thinking, if I'm thinking about a um, 40th anniversary team, I would go for the longevity um, of the players that served, you know, and the volume mm. of uh, the, the accumulation and the volume of work put in, I think has to count for something. Not so much the, the flashy, you know, point scoring within a shorter period of time, but I, I, I reckon the, the long sort of service now, because the team's called the 40th anniversary team, yeah. um, you know, I would tend to, to lean on the, you know, the ones that have really made those milestone contributions. Now, Mike Ellis, uh, you know, huge contribution from the start. I know you put a Mike Ellis up against a, a, a 2020 kind of player these days, and maybe he doesn't have the, the athleticism or whatever, but, but at his, in his time, mm. in his prime, you know, was was huge. Was was fundamental in in uh, the Wildcats putting putting on the map. Um, you know, the li- him him lifting the trophy is yeah. is etched in my mind. Yeah. Front front of the newspaper, just lifting out like and like dreaming out that passion coming through yeah. like that. That got your juices flowing. Mm. All the kids, you know, watching that grand final uh, and then emulating 
that core group there, um, man, it was it was certainly it was certainly uh, inspirational. So you know, I think that has to weigh a lot more than just the the scoring numbers in a shorter period of time. So um, I think just run run past me the starting five or the second yeah. five as well. It's fair to say we all agreed on 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 your your thoughts and between myself. Sean Reddidge and Damien Martin, we all picked a team where we agreed with you. And funnily enough, Nick Kay's name never came up, similar to when I spoke to Matt Knight and Cody Ellis about it afterwards. So the starting five ended up being James Crawford, Andrew Vahov, Sean Reddidge, Bryce Cotton and Ricky Grace. And I can't pick any fault in that. But the, yeah. the five reserves is where it got interesting. So it was Paul Rogers, Nick Kay, Scott Fisher, Kevin Lish and obviously Damien Martin, who was named captain. Yeah. So, I mean, Scott Fisher was a huge part of that sort of second wave after the first couple of mm-hmm. grand finals. Obviously, he came over uh, from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, that was a that was a big one. I remember talking with my brothers uh, at the time, like, oh, we got Fisher. I was like, no way. No, we didn't. Yeah, yeah we did. Are you serious? Yeah. You know? Uh, so, that, that was that was he, a pretty he, cool... He, he then coached um, you too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, I was, then he was my first coach in the NBL. So, um, like, that was, a, that was a huge coup for me. Uh, to go from Spain to you know go to go to one of my idols, you know, yeah. <laughs> to, to have him as a coach. Um, so you know he was always you know a, a big a big figure, like physically, yeah, literally a big figure, yeah. um, literally and, and metaphorically. Damien Martin, I think you can't go past six years mm-hmm. uh, or six uh, defensive player uh, of the year awards. Is it six or seven? Six. six? Yep, six. I believe it's six. Um, I think that that certainly has a huge huge weight in it. Like I. The, the Nick K part, he's a he's an outstanding player, um, but a flash in the pan. The I wouldn't say. In, yeah, I was a flash in the pan at Wildcats <laughs> as well. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm talking, you know, like I've been at Titans for nine years. Like I feel like we're able to get some good things going, and I feel like that length of time is, you know, that, that's a lot of years. <laughs> you know, and we've, we've had some really good years, and you know, that's a lot of blood, sweat, and um, you know, tears. And at the end of the day. For, for one club, and I think that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, ilk that trying to carve, you know make this this second team out of as well. So yeah, look as good as Nick K was, uh, you know probably too too quick. If you if you're talking about just an all star sort of team like yeah, sure. like for 2020 2022, yep. yeah, then maybe maybe you're looking at more the, the modern athlete those those guys. Um, but you know all that. And Paul Rogers had did have a big career at Perth. He also sure. had a big. You know, he bounced around a bit to Adelaide, um, back to Perth, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember his 2000 MVP year, um, massive year. Um, so, you know, he's one of the players over Nick K. I'd, I'd have him in there over Nick K. Um, but, you know, some of those other names, um, you know, I think they're certainly good, good for debate. Well, all the debate we had leading up to it and afterwards was whether or not that the spot that went to Nick K. All our discussions were: should it be either Jesse Wagstaff or Matty Knight? That was the argument that we were having. Yeah, look, I think Jesse's certainly, uh, you know, is it seven going for seven championships? I don't think you can go past that kind of contribution. And it's not like he's sitting on the bench; mm-hmm. like he's a starting starting five, uh, boomers, uh, or, or all of those tours that happen in the off seasons. Uh, he's called up for. Um, you know, and he's he stood the test of time, and he's he's adjusted, and he's found ways to contribute, uh, and he's you know a leader as well. Um, but that that six championships um, really does 
you know, just it, it's unfathomable how how much of a contribution that is. Um, you're playing against some great some great players alongside him, um, of course. But you know, the the Vlahovs are you the utility guys, like those guys sort of are just the foundation really of the side, the core. Um, and without that, those superstars don't have that platform to kind of go and dance and show show what they could do. Um, you've got to have the guys doing the hard yakker and wag stuff, um, you know, the name that's going to be uh, forever in the mind from, what, 20, 2009 onwards. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we're all in agreement, Laos, but somehow... Somehow the the selectors didn't didn't agree, but that's 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 for for another day. And unfortunately, now that will forever be the fortieth anniversary team, and there's not much we can do about it. But I'm going to let you out of here, Laos, for this episode. What what's going to happen with the Taipans? They hit the road this weekend. They head to the head to the Gong first up to play the Hawks again, and and then it's over to Adelaide to play the Thirty Sixers, who they they hammered obviously before Christmas up in Cairns. What's going to happen? Look, I, I think they're gone. Have to take a look in the mirror and make sure that you know with these you're going to have to get used to this interchanging kind of uh, rotations where players are coming back in and then you know they're going to have to find their their identity every time there's a big shift uh, in, in the rotations and they're going to have to be cool with that. Like they're going to have to get used to being uncomfortable. I guess you know it's all it's all well and good that you know you play seven players and no one's going to take your minutes <laughs> but to a man that, that can't that doesn't happen in the league for a very long time because you've got 10 players and you've got everyone that's all via the contract and you know you've got to you've got to uh, perform so as a team um, you know coach Ford's going to um, be, be pleading with these guys uh, and challenging them to a man testing their manhood and, and it's up to the players to respond and, and hopefully do it in a consistent way that, that delivers the performance outcomes they're looking for. So, look, it's not it's not a great position right now. They've got games to catch up on. Um, so this this next sort of phase of uh, two or three away games and then the, the two, two games at home um, is going to be really telling in a very short space of time whether they're uh, in contention and in that log jam in the middle pushing pushing towards the top four or whether uh, the rest of the league starts to separate um, and you know, the tight fans are uh, sort of left looking for answers again. So, um, look, I think it's going to be exciting <laughs> to, to watch. They've, they've been nail-biting games. They've, they've been within every contest for the most part. Uh, it's just finding those those little dynamics that help the team to uh, get over the line in that fourth quarter. And, and uh, you know, we're all watching uh, very closely. Yeah, we look forward to it, Laos. It's been fun picking your brain again. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Pike. Catch you next one. Okay, back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle, and I'm back with Matty Knight, the Nightmare, the three-time NBL champion. In my mind, a man who should have been in the 40th anniversary team. There's not much we can do about that now, but he was in my team, and you were in my team, Matty. And you, I won't be changing my mind about that. Would have it been nice in hindsight if you you had made it? Would have been nice for the recognition, but like I said to you a couple of weeks ago, that's why I didn't play basketball. It was for. The, the team's success and I was fortunate enough to walk away with three championships and uh, yeah, it would have been nice but uh, I'm not gonna lo- I didn't lose any sleep over it that's for sure I feel like you were unhappier that Jesse missed out more than yourself is, is that fair to say? Oh definitely I, I'm still dumbfounded mm-hmm. that a guy that plays 400 games for one club and six championships almost the most by any player in NBL history 
and yeah, a guy that played two years mm-hmm. and then left, he makes it over him. Like, yeah, yep. so that's, that's for another day, Pikey. Those no, judges, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Um, we've, we've talked a fair bit about it with Cody as well, and it's fair to say Cody, for obvious reasons, feels similarly. Um, round twelve in the NBL, Maddie. Let's race through these games, and probably game of the round is the is the first is the one first up on Thursday night. It's a throwdown. Melbourne United, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, both in good form. It's first against third. You've got the added spice of what happened last time they played when Mitch Creek and Mason Peatling had their interaction. Um, this will be a good game. It will be, and hopefully uh, the supporters in Melbourne get out and support yeah. it. Um, it'll be, it's probably, like you said, game of the round and first up. So, no, it'll be a, a good game to watch. Um, Melbourne obviously coming off that win in South East. In third spot, they'll be wanting to make a run, so... I still think Melbourne have probably probably um, got more players all round right now, and too many weapons on the offensive end, and, and we got the stoppers as well in defence. So I think Melbourne in a close game. And I'm not sure who's back for the Phoenix either. Not sure if Xavier Munford's back, which could make a big difference as well. Yeah. Friday night, fascinating game in Wollongong. The Laura Hawks need to string some wins together, but the Cairns Taipans, I'm sure Forty will have them fired up after what happened on Monday night. You know, definitely. Um, Illawarra, ever since they had the COVID outbreak, just really haven't mm. strung it together. Um, this new, since 2022, they're, they're really struggling. They're up and down. And, yeah, they got that win up in Cairns. But apart from that, they've been pretty disappointing. The talent they have on that roster, to where they are. I, I imagine Brian's not too happy. He's already mentioned that their defense is mm. not to pass. So this is a danger game. Um, Cairns have nothing to lose on the road. Everyone's expecting Illawarra to win, but um, I imagine Cairns will put up a fight, but I think it's only if Illawarra want to make top four, this is a game they have to win and start building off this uh, off this game. Yeah, definitely. A couple of big games on Saturday as well. So the Phoenix, short turnaround. They're back at home after that game on Thursday against a Brisbane Bullets team who, to be honest, is going to be fascinating how they come back and respond to what happened to them on, on Sunday. Yeah, no, obviously... Um, for Phoenix, you want a quick turnaround, and a lot will probably depend on depend on how they go on Thursday night. But um, yeah, Brisbane they've been licking their wounds all week, and it'll be a long week for them, yeah. um, especially after a loss like that. But I think uh, South East, um, if they do upset Melbourne United and win this one, that puts them right in contention for top two. So I imagine South East. Actually, quite easy in this game. Yeah, I think if they win both those, they'll be back on top of the ladder. So, big game for them. Um, and second up on Saturday, interesting one too. So, the Sydney Kings, they're building some good form now as well. Ian Clark will play his first game also against the Perth Wildcats, who who need to bounce back. Yeah, no, this will be a... I imagine this will be an up-and-down game. It's, it's two coaches who have come from NBA experience. Yeah. So, um, and I imagine it'll be a... An up-tempo game. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Ian Clark goes, especially next to Adam, the two guards there. But, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot of bigs there for both teams right now. So I reckon Sydney, after that win, I reckon it's going to kick-start their season. I reckon um, they should get this one quite easy mm-hmm. with Clark to have a big game. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be quite a way to, to make a debut. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Three games on Sunday. The first one's tough to know what to expect from. So the Adelaide 36ers, they 
they had another break back in round 10. They played one game last week where they lost in Brisbane, and now they have to wait until Sunday to play this game at home to, to the Taipans, who will, will have been fresh off playing that game on, on Friday. Yeah, um, poor Adelaide. You just never know what you're going to get with Adelaide. Um, they set the bar so high at a pre-season tournament, but they've probably been the most disappointing team yeah. uh, so far this season. And um, Yeah, they would have been disappointed with... Uh, their last outing um, to be up and then lose. Yep. But um, back home against Cairns, have played on Friday. But I think Adelaide, they need to show something. But um, I think Cairns will play with uh, a lot more to prove. And I think is going to have them ready to go. And I reckon Cairns are coming to Adelaide and mm. steal one. Yeah, well, last time we saw these two teams play, the Taipans, they were up by 40, I think, with five minutes to go in that game. So they, they know how to play well against this Adelaide team. Um, second up on Sunday, this will be interesting too. Melbourne United at home to the New Zealand Breakers, but it's probably not as simple as it looks on paper because the Breakers, their best is as good as anybody's, but their worst is is pretty horrible at the same time. Yeah, you can almost put them just above Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Like their the <laughs> best is very, very good. It's in the, it'd be a top four team if they played that way every game, but they said their worst, their bottom two team, mm. so... You just never know what you're going to get from a, a New Zealand team. and but I think Melbourne, um, they want to lock up this top two. And these are games you can't drop if you want that top two spot. And I reckon Melbourne, I reckon they'll get this one quite easy. Yeah, it probably could go either way. The Breakers could stick with them or Melbourne could just blow them away and, and win big, like, like you said. Um, last game of the round, Sunday afternoon in Wollongong. The Hawks at home to the Jack Jumpers. To me, it looks like it should be a win for the Hawks, but these jack jumpers just continue to fight and, and make themselves very tough to beat. You know, you're like, you know you're in for a, a dogfight 40 minutes against this Tassie team, and yeah, this is a big game for Illawarra. It's a danger game, really. Um, obviously, they take care of business on the against Cairns and then take care of this game, and they're back in the top four, but... Drop any one, you're in that log jam for fourth spot. So I reckon Reef will have a huge game. There's just no one in Tassie that can guard him. Yeah, if I'm in a while, I'm just throwing the ball inside the whole game, playing through him. And yeah, I just, Tassie will battle hard, but they just don't have the personnel to stop uh, someone of that calibre. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I sort of see a, a 20 point, 20 rebound coming up for a Reef. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a good call. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And on next week's show, we'll wrap it all up again. And I'll be back with the Tap Touch preview with you as well, Matty. But it's been fun catching up with you. I hope everybody has in, has enjoyed this show. Thank you for, for stepping in at, at very short notice. We hope that Cody Ellis gets better soon. Um, but for now, Matty, um, I'm going to sign off. I'm Chris Pike. But really enjoyed the insights once again of Matty Knight. And I'm going to put it in your hands, Matty. What are you most looking forward to seeing this weekend? I'm looking forward to seeing Ian Clark play. I was he, he did well in the NBA when he had the opportunity, so it's coming into probably one of the bigger franchises in the NBL. So him going again, probably one of the greatest teams in the NBL or greatest clubs in the Wildcats. His first game and Bryce Cotton. So I'm keen to see how he performs and uh, keen to see how Illawarra bounce back. They're due to turn it around if they want to be considered a serious top four team, but um, this is a huge weekend for them.